0: From Boston, Massachusetts, really? A little south of Lafayette. Um, had a audition up here today for a national commercial. Um, maybe have a callback for a uh, Jack Black movie tomorrow. Don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a voiceover audition on Friday.
1: Well, pretty, so. yeah, I have to I have to break in. Hold on. Um, that's funny. First of all, you burped, and oh yeah, that's that's a trademark of yours kind of I mean
0: everybody does it but I mean I guess I've just been so like not trying to like assert it it's just part of I don't know everybody burps I guess I've just been like not inhibited by the fact that people burp and I just do it
1: yeah that's so funny I still remember that uh, years ago years and years ago you just you just let it go and then you said yeah. Jack Black and you have. I'm a big fan of Jack Black oh yeah right?
0: yeah totally well and the other the other thing too is since I'm sitting here having this conversation I'm sitting outside after a rain drinking a beer too so that's the other kind of nice oh, man. little aspect of that's- this podcast versus the previous one so.
1: <laughs> yeah exactly now I'm gonna, I have a question for a little bit of like a mathematical kind of a question so for, yeah. for every audition yeah. Every yeah. Every audition that you have, when you land something, is there like a, a ratio that you have to go through?
0: Like a ratio of ratio. oh, like towards
1: to how many you land?
0: Uh, I mean that's 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 unknowable. I mean because there's just there's too many variables. I mean, I could say like one of the first stage productions I got back into when I was trying to. Get back into acting again. This is like 2006, and I said I'm going to go audition for this part. And there was hardly anybody there trying out, so the odds were already sort of in my favor. Um, So, whereas today I'm auditioning for a national commercial, um, the the entire waiting area. There was between two and three dozen people. Oh, wow. Um, and that, is, that happens for like, that, that goes on from like 10 to like four or five today. So, no I mean, then granted, there are now 30 principal spots available, but not all of those meet my demographic. Um, some of them meet my demographic, but some of them are for kids. Some of them are for, uh, you know, girls. So they're hiring 30 principal people off of this commercial. Mhm. So there's just too many variables to know uh, to have an answer for that. But all to say, um, the odds are kind of against you, you know, for the most part. I mean, you stand, I would say, usually well over 90% chance of not
1: getting it, Mm -hmm. um, for the most part.
0: Um,
1: In that world, because I would imagine there's a lot of people that even get to where you were at, you know? Sure. We mentioned at the time that you... We're right there with Denzel Washington and speaking part in the Equalizer, and yeah. had some great roles before. And it's been what eight years now since you see? Oh, ten now, right? That you've been really pursuing this.
0: Uh, ten years uh, acting in general, from that, from that moment I just told you about. Ten years from that first stage production at a local regional Boston theater, um, not even Boston suburban theater. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, to, yeah. yeah, that whole process, I'd imagine, is like, it's pretty, it's interesting for me because I've always felt that that film in general and writing in general is such a process, such a collaborative process. That's the funnest thing. I mean, above, uh, above, I, I'm, I don't know, a actor at all. I never even give myself a chance, but in terms of writing, producing, making films, it's a lot of fun. Every, hello. Every, are you, hello. Are you there? I, I totally lost you for like thirty seconds. Oh no! I heard nothing. Heard nothing for three so the whole. The whole process of writing. The whole process of what was it? Yeah, the whole process of writing and and it's such a collaborative effort. Um, how are we doing now? Can you hear me? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. And that's what makes it so fun for me, for sure. Yeah, we're getting a funny beep.
0: Yeah, like somebody's calling in or something.
1: All right. We're going to come right back to Phenomenal Underdogs, brought to you by... (laughs) we're good to go through here. Got it. Thank you. What yeah. a perfect way to come back. Thank you to our sponsors. They are awesome. Um, yeah. You know, part of your voiceover, I'm thinking, should be a bird. Yeah, they never they need it, man. I am the man. <laughs> what? Hey, by the way, what are you drinking? Uh, Sam Adams. Sam Adams. Okay. Top three beers. Go. Oh, jeez. Top three
0: beers. Um. Maybe. see this is I went back and I thought about what are those other questions that he answered me rapid fire that I can actually be prepared for this time I am not prepared for
1: this one we'll do it again I got you
0: so um, top three beers there's been so many like new ones on the market so
1: um, pray about it take the time yes the Lord will give you the answers let me let me give you mine because they're really I'm not a connoisseur okay yeah okay uh, Guinness so. Guinness um, yep. Corona, yeah, sure. and um, I am gonna go and out on the limb, and it might be a little girly, but hard root beer, hard root beer. I forgot what it is that root beer have. Does
0: that qualify as beer?
1: Hey, 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 if it gets you, I mean, if it gets you buzz.
0: I'm thinking of, like, something brewed with, like, hops and, you know, weed malted, you know, barley and so. Yeah. um, I mean, yeah, my, my heart broke a little bit when I heard you say Corona because I actually, you know... As you and I, you know, like back in the evangelical sort of days, uh, I didn't actually drink beer until I was a legal age. Yeah. Um, to try to be, you know, good for the Bible. Oh uh, yeah. Same. Um and Corona Corona was the first beer I'd ever tried and I almost gave up. I was like, I, I have no reason to <laughs> want want beer at all. And and then I tried some other ones, I'm like, ah okay, good cool. luck. and I found you know, at the time Sam Adams wasn't as big as it was today. Sam Adams has actually got a bit shittier um since but um when I'm staying in a friend house I don't complain about the hospitality they offer me so and Sam Adams is a, is a fine beer so whatever um, yeah. so I found other beers Samuel Smith's um, I think is an exceptional beer I've never tried a beer from Samuel Smith's ever that I disliked hmm. um, they're their uh, their oatmeal stout is terrific. Um, yeah, I like
1: the oatmeal stouts for sure.
0: Yeah, um, they've got a like a celebration winter um, sort of beer that comes out that's always really good as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I like a nice variety of beers. Um, I'm not there's a lot of people I know that hate IPAs because it's got too so much of the bite, but I really I enjoy a good IPA. But nice and like any. Yeah, I mean it can be hoppy but it still has to be good. It's kinda of like a hot sauce, you know. Any jackass can throw a bunch of hot stuff in a blender, blend it up and make it, you know, scorch your whole, you know, whatever. Um, but to be like a really good chef, you know, or to be somebody who's good with it, um, like you gotta give it some flavor, you know, and don't just scorch it. So it's same thing with like an IPA. It's like yeah, you learn the basic process and you know, you can make something that's really hoppy, but how does it actually, like, actually taste together? You know, that kind of goes with any of those, like, specialty drinks. Scotches, you know, Scotch whiskeys, Irish whiskeys.
1: Um, I don't think I'm, I'm much of a, a... I need to, like, grow more chest hair or something because I don't know <laughs> much about Scotch. One of my friends, a couple of my friends, they, they just woke up, roll out of bed one day, and like, you know what? I'm just going to drink Scotch because that's yeah. what manly people do. They have this... My friend Mike Albert. He uh, is such a Scotch connoisseur. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mike Albert. I remember him. Yeah, yeah. And then a buddy I met over here, Mike Mraz, I'm hoping to get him on the podcast. But he went from, about six years ago, he went from entering local brew house, uh, festivals and stuff like that, winning ribbons, winning first place to having his own distribution, his own shop, his own beer, the whole nine yards beer. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, i got to have him on for, to, you know, to, number one, to think his brain how he did it and yeah. you know, he can be able to smooth beer. Yeah. So, <laughs>
0: Uh, I'm, so I would also throw in Dogfish Head. Dogfish Head makes a uh, great select variety of beers, although I'm afraid they're diluting the market by putting out too many beers. But mm. really good stuff. 120-minute um, IPA is just terrific. It, it's so lovely how they've done it when it doesn't even you know taste too bitter or anything. It's just really lovely. Mm. So they, they know how to kind of like craft down and stuff. Oh, and the new kind of a new find too out here in the northeast, Mayflower. Mayflower puts out a really great selection of beers like all around from their their porters, their stouts, and like their golden, like their summer ones. They're all really good.
1: You know what I'm jealous? I'm kinda of jealous, honestly, of your lifestyle. You go act, you do auditions, you don't have any kids, you're like a bird. You just you just flying everywhere you go, success. You're you got you got Denzel's pager number, right? Yeah, right
0: yeah and, he, and he's brought me back on all of his films since then
1: so, <laughs> right, so. Right. well we talked a lot about acting and I, I really got to get back to I'm really interested more about those, those movies that you had mentioned before we had a long chat about it but instrumental pivotal movies for you you mentioned some really like kind of jaw-dropping movies for you and acting. what were those again um, so we're actually... We're on the air, right? We're recording? We are.
0: Cool. I didn't know when the actual recording... Like, By the recording way. Went. So, Hey, everyone. What's up? Um, thanks for the four or so listeners out there who are in, that interested in my life as, a, as an actor sort of trying to make it. Yeah. All I cool. want to do is keep working. Um, yeah. So I, um, I think... I don't know how much the the audience knows about our previous attempt at doing this and how it kind of failed, but what we were getting into was like, where where did I start? Um, How did I get back going? And you know, what were the things that kind of influenced me? Um, I don't know. I'd always been as a kid. I'd always been taking my dad's uh, video camera and just trying to make my own movies in the basement or whatever. Experiment with some of that, and I found some success. It was more, I was more—I was actually a swimmer in high school, um, all four years, and I kind of did acting on the side, and then I just kind of decided I wanted to try acting. Did it in undergrad and took a hiatus for a while, but always kept a love of film. So, when I actually got when I quit my day job, and actually when I started acting again, I still had a day job before I quit my day job. You know, the films that were—I think what we were talking about before was ones that kind of stood out like uh, P T Anderson uh, in Magnolia, mm-hmm. and, um, which is a which is a terrific film all around. Um, it was just so kind of beyond uh, what the standard sort of you know, story arc um, would normally be uh, and P.T. Anderson's always doing sort of kind of creative films and so seeing that there are directors like him um, Christopher Nolan doing Memento uh, sort of around that time too which I, I really really enjoy the film Memento a lot and um, they're the directors too um, like we said David Fincher um, you know Fight Club was so was so intriguing um, I think I told you before like one of my buddies was uh, doing a class where he teaches like comics and, and culture and film and yeah, he just you know you really gotta look at this film as like a Jekyll and Hyde film you know and that's I was like that makes a lot of sense
1: you know um, I feel like some of these re- like have you heard of this um, film or excuse me TV series called uh, Mr. Robot
0: Oh my gosh! I've heard amazing things about that, and that's kind of one of my goals is to see if I can get my agent to get me an audition so I can nice. jump into that into that room.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, I think it's a phenomenal show.
1: I did a binge watch. Uh, I think it's on season two. I did a binge, yep. binge watch of season one. Definitely intriguing. I, I I struggle right now, honestly, to say whether what I'm about to say, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Um, there's elements I think they ripped off of, of Fight Club, an element okay. that they ripped off of. Uh, not ripped off. I felt like Fight Club and like Beautiful Mind with Russell crook okay. were. Mm-hmm. Which was a terrible movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> I may or may not have liked that a lot. Um,
0: sorry. Uh, then we'll just say it wasn't terrible. It was not the movie that everybody made it to be. That's just my you know. Got it.
1: But there's elements though. But I appreciate it now in like a modern day sense. And, yeah, so Fight Club and, and Mr. Robot. But anyway, yeah, check out Mr. Robot. And okay. That'll
0: be I definitely need to. You uh, know, we've been, in terms of, like, good TV, um, I mean, we, on the acting side, I mean, The Wire and Breaking Bad are really, like, way at the top of my list. Last year, like, the two best shows that came out were both on Netflix, in my opinion, but uh, Nar- uh, which was Narcos and Bloodline, Um extremely well acted, uh, exploring humanity, exploring the dark side of humanity, exploring historical aspects of things that are not always clear cut. Mm-hmm. They're just phenomenal, all around. Um, and actually, to throw out a shout to the wire, I'll say, when I studied, uh, when I was studying character for, uh, when I was playing on Equalizer, uh, me and two of the other bad guys went to the Boston Police Department hmm. and um, we actually scheduled them some time so we could actually sit down and talk with them to say, you know, we're, we're playing Boston cops, you know, sorry, we're, we're playing crooked Boston cops. I hope that doesn't <laughs>
1: throw,
0: out, throw out a stereotype okay. to imply that you guys are, and he's like, yeah, you know, we get that a lot. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, it's okay. Okay. Um, so, but, you know, we were asking, you know, what are the things that I asked, you know, what are the things you see on TV that doesn't really happen in real life, but people are just not doing it right. And, you know, one of the cops was, um, he's like, well, you always see somebody walk in cross a police line, you know, cut open a bag of cocaine or something, stick their finger in it and chased it. And he's like, oh yeah, that's good. You know, he's like, that, no, no that, that, that never happens. You know, um, it, you don't walk into a police line. Hmm. And you, you don't just start touching everything, because you'll screw it up for forensics. Hmm. So um, He's like, that's, that's a real big misnomer. Um, but he, and he mentioned, you know, people running around with their guns aimed in the air. He's like, you never go with your gun. You're always low and ready kind of stuff. And uh-huh. so they were, they were teaching us, and he said, if you want to see, like, everybody who gets everything down very well, he's like, go watch The Wire. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love that show. And everybody I've ever known, or I should say not known, but... But every official person who's ever spoken about it, one of the um, politicians in Baltimore where the Wire was filmed said, this is as close to real life as anything I've ever seen on television. So, and The Wire is just, it's just great, it's just great, great. Television, mm-hmm. uh, all around, um, they they don't dumb it down for you. There's language they're going to use that you don't get until you watch it a second time or maybe even a third time because they're trying to stay true to the gang, uh, the, you know, the local gangs at the time, the drug dealers at the time. They're using not everyday language, um, and you kind of just have to sit with it. Or turn on the subtitles. Uh, the police use like real police terms that we don't always hear in our vernacular, and you just kind of have to go with it or go back and watch again. So that's that, to me, is great filmmaking or great television. Uh, when the acting hits, I mean, they just keep it as real as possible.
1: Yeah, I like that. and Especially, I can appreciate that. When that movie Rounders came out, the poker one with Matt. Oh, yeah. same thing. Absolutely. Like, great example. I, I couldn't understand what they were saying. And then mm-hmm. poker started really getting... Popular, you know, and then I started playing at poker parties, started smoking some cigars, and then I I knew. And then I went back and watched Rounders, and I appreciated it so much more because I actually knew what they were talking about. Yep. Which part? No question. We got to get together and smoke some cigars.
0: Dude, the two cigars and, uh, and a card night. Rounders is a terrific, terrific film, and that's one of those. From the last podcast we did, I said it's just. There's a lot of things working against you in making a good film. Mm. Um, your script could suck, uh, your actors might be okay, mm. and your director might be okay, but the script could suck and could tank the whole thing. You could have a mediocre script and still have actors hit, and then have a good director and have the an editor be really good and sharp about how he acts around it, mm. or how he cuts around it. and. Um, and sometimes you know your actors can carry the film over that but I mean there's too often I've seen situations where the script is terrible the actors aren't great um, maybe the director's decent but you know the film just doesn't hit if you're lacking most of those things the production value doesn't hit rounders man the script
1: is, the script is good mm-hmm. um, and the actors really made that yeah so you, you, um, you ever get, dig some of those sleeper hits like uh <laughs> when we were younger um swingers. Yeah, swingers was kind of cool. yeah. I mean that was and, right over the shoulder from what I, I remember. I was I was one of those yeah. guys that always would look when the back in the D V D era when you could watch the special commentary, I'd always yep. the, I would always listen to the whole thing. Um commentary on and that yeah. particular one stood out for sure swingers because it was shot low budget but like a full on cult classic if you have a breakup and you this is for you Daniel my sound my sound savvy engineer when you do have a big heartbreak gnarly moment in your life rent yeah. swingers yeah. and it's not swingers it's like like sleeping with other people's wives so that's not the thing it's a moral homage to swing dating yeah. And, right, and this, this this guy who comes out of nowhere cult classic. <laughs> what do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It was one of the smaller ones um, that you know, people kind of stuck with. I mean, Office Space was even that to some degree. Mike Judge, um, so yeah. And you know, it was it wasn't one of those that would did well like grade the box office, but it just slowly over time it just kind of took off because I think uh, around you know, the, the Silicon Valley, like the whole tech culture sort of thing, more and more people were experiencing that. And because this story, I mean, the, the comedy this speaks to kind of a true stereotype in a certain sense of Everybody really connects with it. And they're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So pretty much anybody who's ever walked in and worked in, a, in an office as a nine to five, you know, mm-hmm. captures some of that stuff.
1: So. so still so relevant today. Matter of fact, Scott Adams, yep. uh, Gilbert, who, who wrote the comic oh yeah. Gilbert, he yep. came out of the Silicon Valley and yep. Makes sense. See, Daniel, Daniel is saying that uh, that's how your dad and I, Daniel, um, my savvy sound guy, yeah. we got to talking about Scott Adams somehow. And Scott Adams yeah. and his dad worked together, or worked in the same company, I should say. But a couple things about Scott Adams, like, that's where his, where there's pain, there's there's beauty and screenwriting and film and art. And there's yep. it's so painful, so so, so soul sucking when you're in a cubicle. It can be that there's just a lot, a lot of material there. And so Scott Adams, oh, yeah. and check this out. I just found, I listened to him on um, Tim Ferris's podcast, and, and maybe another podcast. But Scott Adams wrote God debris. So full on theology. Mm. Check mm. seriously. Uh, we'll probably switch gears I, I'm thinking here. that's whatever oh okay okay Daniel wants to tell about the uh, Game of Thrones since the finale says before we switch gears to God Debris and go see a logic.
0: oh yeah um uh, I can't totally comment on it. Um, just for, for the. Don it. It's wait, can't. hold on. Give me at least an excuse. <laughs> okay. So, um, that's uh, Game of Thrones is something my wife and I watched together. Um, and for the listeners out there, this is only day. Uh, this is only the third day after the finale is released so um, as of last night was the first time my wife and I were actually able to sit down together and try to start it but it was it was late at night it was like 10.30 mm-hmm. and we only got through half of it so um, I can't totally uh, finish uh, uh, or, or comment on that adequately at this point
1: gotcha gotcha yeah D- Daniel Daniel's almost rolled off of his neck he was really <laughs> excited to hear your, your two cents I guess on that so.
0: yeah Um, And, you know, Game of Thrones isn't isn't, uh, one of those shows... I mean, I enjoy watching it. Um, I think it does have its problem, but... um, For the most part, I mean, the season has taken off well beyond the others. Um, But I can't... um, It's not one of those that I put up there with, like Breaking Bad or The Wire or Mm -hmm. Bloodline or Narcos or, you know... Even The Americans, like, as far as, like, sort of mainstream TV goes, The Americans is pretty good television. Hmm. Um, That's another one, but...
1: Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, gonna, no, um, like the the uh, entertainment that you really get to soak up. You get to study. You get to be entertained by it. I heard a um, Brian Callen, who is a comedian and a podcaster, a really, really yeah. funny guy. I don't know him. Not yet. But he was saying that he doesn't really like watching movies and TV because he's been around it. Maybe I think he's uh, 49, 50 years old. So maybe he's seasoned and he just, it doesn't appeal to him because he kind of knows how the, as it say, how the sausage is made. So yeah. what is, sure. you, you, you seem to not take that. You seem to actually like.
0: Um, it's it just what matters is the final product, I guess. So yes, I've been around, I've been on tech before where, yeah, like you're saying, you see how the sausage is made. Um, there's a lot of unexciting moments. Uh, there's a lot of, let's hurry up and wait, um, on, on much of that and I've been part of the ones where there's just a lot of competing egos um, uh, I'm not going to at least I'm not going to comment on like the actual productions I've been part of or whatnot but there's for the, the listeners I mean I've been you know when I've not been on set as a, a principal actor um, I've there's this way there's other jobs you can do is to try to um, still work within your union to make your qualifications for your pension and your health requirements. So you know, take jobs as a stand-in, uh, which is um, this is a way you can kind of learn how. To, uh, what I'm about to expound upon is here's how some of the sausage is made. Mm-hmm. Um, the, just, the real actors, just, yeah, the principal actors.
1: Interested in it?
0: Maybe. Um, I hope so, because okay. <laughs> <laughs> that means the podcast is so much um, <laughs> To, uh, I, so for there's been a couple of TV shows where I've been kind of a regular stand-in and the stand-in comes to um, you are you and back up so here's what happens so the stand-in you show up to set you watch the real actor and um, I'll say this. I was on 666 Park Avenue, and that was a great production, so I don't have a problem uh, citing that. And Terry O'Quinn from Lost, who played Locke, uh-huh. um, for the last uh, two or three episodes, I was his regular stand in. So I would come in, I would watch Terry O'Quinn um, rehearse a scene with the director and the uh, director of photography, and we'll call the DP usually, um, and then any of the other screw supervisors or the other crew that are there, they get to watch them just just do a walkthrough. And I just take notes on what he does, mm-hmm. and then after they kind of got what they think they're going to do, um, they will um, they will say, "Okay, Terry, great, you got a break. He'll go back to his trailer. He'll go see her makeup. He'll do whatever." And then I stand in as Terry uh, in his role, um, and so I'll go stand on a mark uh, where Terry was when he was delivering his line, mm-hmm. and then. A lot of guys come around and um, they start looking at you know they're like okay let's give me uh you know let me see a twenty over here let me uh you know shine a light on his head oh. so and then they lay down dolly track and you know so that you're standing there so they can look at you through the camera hmm. they can they can also say you know James can you um you know walk the scene go back go to go to your one hmm. come back you know do the lines uh, then you'll walk in whoever else is together stand in for the other principal actors that day you can you know sometimes you can have a full scene there just as kind of like a practice for all the crew right. you stand in So, but there's a lot of times when you go stand on your one and then there's 20 other people just doing whatever they do and you're just standing there for a while so um, it's just so it's a lot of hurry up and wait but I don't care it's work so if I can't you know if I can't have a speaking part I'd rather be involved somehow in that um, making some money so but there's other productions out there where you just see a lot of you know you're standing there and not Six 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 Park. They were great. Um, just all the productions that you know, you just get some competing egos, um, and it just becomes all right. I'm just going to stand here with my mouth shut. Um, mm-hmm. You know.
1: What did you think of Christian Bale when he was? I think it was Batman and some. Was it a grip or somebody was doing something and recorded him? Was it Christian Bale? Is that right? He was a Christian. Christian Bale was a grip. No, no, no. So Batman and. Batman Returns or Batman Dark Knight he goes off on this rant to somebody else about... Oh, that was... No, that was
0: Terminator Salvation.
1: Oh, was it? Okay. Who... Yeah, he
0: was... (laughs) So McGee was the director of that one, and Christian Bale was the was John Connor. There was another guy who went back and got in his sight light. Um So, uh, and so that so what what happens basically is uh, you know when you're actually you're actually rolling and you're, and you're doing a take, um, if you've got everything already mapped out in front of you, um, and then somebody you know who's not on camera in the back kind of walks and just kind of you know breaks your concentration or whatever. Um, that's some people have an issue with that. Other actors just kind of work through it. Um, I won't I won't comment on that either way. <laughs> one time, I was standing in on something, and um, this is another thing a stand-in can do. Um, if they're they're, they're doing a, a shot reverse shot on one of the actors and the other actors, so. You'll see like a wide where you see the two of them together. Then you'll see they go in, they go in tighter and you've got a shot on one of them hmm. exclusively. So sometimes the other will stay there. Other times... Um usually the other actor will stay there but sometimes the other actor has to go somewhere else and so the stand-in can come in and be the off-camera person to look at so sight lines are important in that regard but sometimes when somebody is not supposed to necessarily be there or if they're they didn't know they were getting in somebody's sight line mm-hmm. it just kind of throws them off and so there was one time I got in front of somebody uh, a well-known actor's sight line and they walked over and said hey you're in their sight line and I'm like ah alright I'm gonna go over here so uh-huh.
1: They didn't so, you out or anything like that?
0: No, well, they did the smart way. They went and told whoever their handler was, um, and then then they told somebody else, and that
1: person came and got me. And I'm like, sorry. Okay. So I didn't I didn't realize that was an issue at this point. So my bad. Yeah, oh, you know the whole so, the whole premise so far of what I'm trying to do with the podcast is just talk to people that are underdogs that are kind of a long shot so that people have grinded it out tried yeah. hard, going for their dreams sure I, I thought of you maybe because oh thanks man yeah here I am just watching a movie sitting all of a sudden oh, yeah pause yeah you know picture posted and like oh my god, you're you're going you're going for it you're doing what you love to do and that's why I, I think a lot of people are going to listen to this they're going to want to pick your brain they're going to they're going to appreciate your perspective and, and all these details because for me like I've always wanted to write and direct and I'll be damned. this kind of what I'm doing right now I have 20 25th or 26th film now that, that I've been doing now for our little company. and Wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Congratulations. we started with um, Remember My Tears for Triple X Church. Remember that one?
0: Yeah. Uh, I think, is that the one you were uh, showing me that opens with the, uh, sort of the the wipers going in the front with the rain on the windshield. Yeah, okay. Yeah, good,
1: good. So twenty six or seven films later, here we are. And, yeah. Um, good on you, man. Yeah, Daniel and and uh, Moses, and we're Yeah. We're really we're Moses. doing a lot of fun stuff. And um, so, for me, hearing it from your your point of things, it's really interesting because I would always listen to the director writer's sort of angle, and to hear mm-hmm. you from the actor point of view, it's that's really interesting number one and number two i think people are going to try to kind of mimic and, and what would be some of the best advice you could give them? somebody walks in james they're whatever they're 18 years old i want to be an actor what do i do? okay what? <laughs> um
0: uh well first i try to see um i don't have a first um, but there's a number of things i want to figure out uh, say uh, are you in it for the long haul um, because if you're not in it for the long haul you're going to walk away more likely feeling like a failure to some degree because um, this is the business of acting is persistence so um, and persistence and persistence so um, I, th- I think there was there, one of the one of the backstage magazines um, backstage is kind of a big magazine both in LA and New York um, just has like audition opportunities articles that are written and there's uh, there one article where somebody you know was saying you know if everybody asks what's the secret to success you know and there's no real way you can measure it but he's like if I were absolutely you know pressed gun to my head if there's a way you could do it here's the formula for success that I could come up with um And it was something to the effect of, like, I guess I wish it was so long ago I read it, but I remember it stood out to me. But it was basically, like, um, like, T plus uh, L plus P equals success. And basically, it was talent. because it's, like, you gotta have some measure of talent to be able to do this. Um, you have to have um, L stands for luck. Um, I'll go back up and I'll go back to talent to some extent because there are people um, I would wager, you know, without talent um, or not without talent, but people that are less talented than others, um, just by nature of who they are. Um, that that can still book stuff because they have a good look. Uh, I know that's part of it. Um, And, you know, if you're you're graced with it, you've got both a great look. And I don't mean like good looks. I mean a unique type of look. Because there's plenty of people in the industry who have, you know, that aren't considered like Brad Pitt type, you know, looking people. But they have something unique going for them, you know, in a style or a look that has made them marketable. Um, And that's what it is. So, And they have that. They don't... And they're not like... know the best actor in the world they can probably still make way anyway um, add that to luck and then add that to perseverance so um, all of those things can equate to making a successful career and that doesn't always mean you're going to get a, a big break and be a multi-millionaire but it might mean that you continue to work which is more than what most actors in this industry are doing right. um, including myself I'm not I've been in a long stretch of uh, famine with a lot of auditions um, but still waiting for the next thing to drop sure. um, but persistence is a huge part of it. I mean, and you, you see that kind of come up. Um, Mark Ruffalo came up recently. Uh, the, you know, he apparently had like, I think he said he had 600 auditions before he finally landed his first part. Wow. That's that's amazing persistence. Um, I would not think that. Wow. Yeah, it's terrific. Because you're, you're meeting people in the process, you know, and... Um, you know do that that whole thing people get to know who you are they get to know your work ethic um, they get to know that you're training yourself that you're taking um, good acting courses so you can stay fresh and stuff like that Mm so um, that's what I'd say and then I'd say you know are you if I'm 18 I want to get started uh, do you have the persistence Um, are are you ready to you know make not a lot of money for a long time are you ready to hustle Mm -hmm. yeah are you ready to hustle Um, and are you living in an area where you can actually do this kind of thing like um you've got los angeles on the west coast um and over on the East Coast. I've been making a pretty good run um, jetting back and forth between New York and Boston. Um, Boston is really kind of like, it's almost kind of like number three to like New York and, and Los Angeles to a certain degree because um, they decided to be very competitive in how they were um, setting up their film tax incentives. So they're offering tax benefits, like tax credits for productions to come into film in the state and that encourages the them come in and it really really works you know every time you know we've we've seen like movies like The Town you know an Academy Award nominated film The Town is filming here Spotlight filmed here last year that was the one that won the Academy Award last year so um, lots and lots of films and I would say I've been able to make my health and uh, my pension minimums to my union Um, and were it not for Massachusetts that would not be possible Um, okay
1: so I never thought that Massachusetts Be even up up there because I had heard that Canada to an extent has is gonna have, yep,
0: yeah, Yeah. yep, Toronto is a big one. Um, and and actually, Spotlight filmed in Toronto as well, so they filmed both in Toronto and in Massachusetts. but you know you're right. There's other places. Atlanta's a huge hot spot for film. Um, that could be very well. That could potentially compete for the number three spots next to Boston. In a sense, mm-hmm. um, there's so much going on there.
1: Yeah. So I mean, you mentioned. You, sorry, I want to let you complete you had, your thought. Go ahead. No, no, it's my my thought. is that's that's, <laughs> that's awesome, man. I think those that uh, have that desire are going to go for it. Um, one time I was telling Nikki, that I was laughing about this, I texted her today, I, said, I remember that time I just said, I just want to move to L.A. and become a screenwriter? And she's yeah. like, are you serious? Yeah, I really want to do that. And she's do me a favor. I'll be willing, but you just take one class. <laughs> yeah, do it. Take one class and see if you still like it. So I got uh, Cabrillo College. Smart wife. Yeah, yep. tell me about it. Yo uh, College, Santa Cruz, took one class, wrote about a 50 page script, sort of an autobiographical of my dad who basically went from farm working in the labor fields to, to being very, very successful, having real estate and a great job and all this. So I got 50 pages in through it. I'm like, and they were telling me about the, the grind, the hustle, yep. the persistence. I'm like, mm, nah. <laughs> I know that, uh, that was then you know that was then where i was at and so th-
0: that makes a that makes a great point that I, I would add into to the person asking you know i'm 18 years old and i want to you know be an actor or in your case a screenwriter you know try to do what you can in your respective area before you make the move so yeah if you're if you want to do this and you don't live close to a city that's kind of blooming mm-hmm. um with production right now like if you live kind of nearby something. Maybe see if you can go live there for two months and see what kind of headway you can make before you decide to pack your life up uh, and, and change it all. So, um, you know, and being someone who's in on the East Coast, I would say if you're trying to get to one or the other... Um, I'm speaking somewhat out of ignorance because I, I've i only been to L.A. I've not actually tried to live there, but Los Angeles is a much larger pool um, of people. At least here in New York, I've been able to travel to Baltimore for auditions for House of Cards. I'm trying to get one for Veep. Um, I eventually booked House of Cards, so I've had, being based in New York, I can go to Baltimore. Um, I've been to Virginia as far as getting to audition on a, on a day trip. I go up to work in Boston all the time. There's a lot of different areas that are doing things and so in some cases when you're just starting out um, if you just dive right into New York the pool is massive already but if you can kind of hit one of these other areas like Baltimore where they're not doing as much as New York but there's actually some good productions happening or in Boston which is not doing as much but doing quite a bit of stuff, if you can get auditions there, the pool is a little bit smaller mm-hmm. and you have a better chance of actually getting to know the casting directors there. There's plenty of casting directors I still don't know in New York and there's, after five years there's you know a handful that I do um, that's that's a, that's a much harder game to get. You can't just walk into a casting office and say, hey, here's my headshot and resume. Mm-hmm. Um, and each other cities are more likely to take your stuff. Yeah. So that's... And I would say for writing, when you were in Santa Cruz, you could, you know, if I would say before you pack up and move, <laughs> try your hand at actually writing a script to do exactly what your wife said, mm-hmm. um, take a class, um, try your hand at writing a script for one, mm-hmm. um, and then see if you can take like, go take like a, you know, three week or a one month pilgrimage or something down there to see how well you can market that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if you learn enough about it to say like, hey, somebody looked at this and said that there's some potential down here, let's take the next step, you know, and see if, you know, I'm going to go back for three months or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But before you pack up
1: everything, you know, and do it. It's, I, I wish the maturity now would have been in place then, but yeah, sure. knowing now too, with technology, it's amazing because I can sit down, write scripts, do a podcast, you know, yeah. I can go film, edit, and do a pretty gorilla good job yeah. that's something that I, I feel proud of um, yep. so it's exciting in a lot of ways but you know hindsight's twenty twenty, and now having that bloom where you bloom where you're planted that's that's yeah. the philosophy is where you're wherever you're at go for it try it out do what you want totally. to do you now and then go for it yeah
0: you don't need to live in one of the major cities uh, to write a, a good screenplay. Okay. Um, you can do that wherever you want. Um, if you have something that is really good, I'm sure everybody here writes theirs is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have something, you know, then you have to start exploring the avenues by which this can start to get seen somewhere, so whether that's like through writing workshops or local film festivals or something like that that's a, that's a way to start um,
1: see I think,
0: the, I think the other thing to, go ahead
1: no 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 it's for you first
0: I was saying, the the other thing I was going to say to any aspiring sort of actor or whatnot, Um, one of my my other acting buddies here in Boston, we were saying it's like, you know, just because you book something, you know, say you get your first line on a TV show or a movie, it's just like a one line or whatever. Um, Just because you book something doesn't mean you're going to book anything else, you know. Um, That would be, um, I mean, I've booked, you've seen, you said you watched my demo reel from my website. Mm -hmm. It's like, I've got a scene in there with Robin Wright um, that same week I filmed that one on House of Cards I also filmed opposite Miles Teller on um, Bleed for This which is coming out this, uh, this I think it's November hmm. Um getting some it got some early buzz at the film festivals hope they keep the scene um, but in the same week I had scenes opposite of these two I'd worked you know the equalizer for seven weeks mm-hmm. um, I mentioned to you on a previous podcast the first film that I booked was four weeks long um, I was working for four weeks opposite Chris Sarandon and William Sadler and it's like I don't necessarily have a guarantee for what my next work is I've been in, you know a period of drought and that is very normal like you're, you know it's not like you're necessarily doing anything wrong but that's part of what this game is you know until you know until like a top five or a top ten agency you know sees that I'm, I'm worthy of their roster or whatnot um, you, I just gotta keep hustling and you know I have an agent um you know and my agent you know does a lot of great stuff for me and he sends me out and we have good conversations we have peers, and you know he lets me know like what's what's good what's marketable uh, for me and headshots and trying to give direction to my career he's great um but I'm not like a big player, you know. I'm not an i I'm not an A actor. I'm not or a lister. I'm not a B lister. Um, I don't even know if I'm a C lister. After those things, but um, those are. This is just the reality of like what it is. So I've got a good agent. Um, I book some great stuff. Um, but it's you got to be ready to do this industry because you know name me another industry where you have past work success that does not at all translate into anything future yeah. for work you know so that's that's part of what it is
1: yeah so. very similar the closest experience that I'm that I'm finding is anybody like can say photojournalism um acting yeah those, those kinds of things are, are similar like again referencing what I know with um With Micah, where he he started, where he is, and he might have a good, he might have a great article, or he might have a great photo shoot, or great picture, award-winning, but still, you know, what's what's happening tomorrow? And so he's always constantly networking. But and that's that's similar. It sounds like what's happening with you. But again, you know, I gotta have you back on again. And what I'm gonna do is is ask you some of these rapid-fire questions. Uh, okay because uh, are we closing out we have to because okay yeah no you you have to come back on again because we alright sure it's like a 20 year friendship in addition to a lot of things in yep. common yep um there's so many rabbit holes we could go down in this <laughs> so yeah yeah um at the beginning of the podcast um I'll go ahead and do all the intro and the bio and all that fun stuff so that everybody will know but rapid fire questions here we go
0: sure okay
1: (laughs) Uh, books you love or
0: gateway um uh books also Give anything away. Book I love that I bought for others was um, Where Men Win Glory The Odyssey of Pat Tillman by John Krakauer. Okay. Fantastic.
1: All right. And when you think of success, that word. Who do you think? Of? Jeez.
0: Who do I think of? Oh my gosh. Uh um, I'd say since we talked about him before, uh, Mark Ruffalo, um, mm-hmm. somebody who, uh, and um, no, I'll just stick with Mark Ruffalo, okay. um, the you know 600 auditions and uh, until he finally booked something, kept at it. Guy, you know, we can look to as actors say started from the, the ground up. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't handed to him. Um, and whenever he's been on set, he is awesome with every person on set. It doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter if you're an extra, it doesn't matter if you're a stand in. He's really, genuinely a wonderful, wonderful person. And uh, I would say that as far as character and work ethic, that
1: wow. is success. That's cool to hear. What's the, Guardians yeah. of, the Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah, how about the guy who did Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, yeah he said the, the guy that did Guardians of the Galaxy the, they're talking about the main yeah, character yeah yeah who's that um, uh, Bradley Cooper Cooper yeah yeah, yeah. Not, not Bradley Cooper not Bradley Cooper the guy who played Peter Quill oh whoever played, played Peter Quill on the Guardians of the Galaxy he's, so, he's pretty uh, down to do. I forgot what other what was his name but um, I, so
0: I'm making a big apology to all the listeners. I actually still have yet to film. Okay. Um, so okay. uh, the guy who did Jurassic
1: World. Who, oh, the guy who did Jurassic World. Okay.
0: The guy, oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. That's right. And he had like a few. Um, he had a few early scenes on them. Um, uh, I think it was uh, it was Office or Parks and Rec, one of those. And like, yeah, Parks and Rec. Yeah. yeah. and Then he like lost a bunch of weight. I know nothing about him other than that he was another person who started and worked his way up. Um, and more power to him.
1: Yeah, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy as a side note, um, very unique. Um,
0: yeah, I hear great things. It was just one of those. I think I got so like, I, what did I understand? It's called Age of Ultron, and I was so like. I was so tired of death by CGI. Like, I'm like, I'm just, like, and so uh, it, it was It was in the rabble of those, like, superhero films. And then I remember I was, like, after I saw that and I was just so, like, I'm sort of over the CGI stuff where CGI is the means to the end. Like, mm-hmm. please. But then I saw Mad Max, Fury Road, and then I saw um, Ex Machina. And both of those were, like, Mad Max was just fun. Mm-hmm. It was just so fun. But if you watch the credits at the end you have actual stunt people doing stunts they're not cgi people and there's like scrolling pages of stunt players that were in that one doing like hard work for the sake of filmmaking i love that and then looking at ex machina um alicia for uh that was one that was completely missed last year by the academy i love like she did a phenomenal performance um asked some great moral questions ethical questions um about our humanity and you couldn't the CGI was there but you don't lose it mm. you know it's not like buildings are you know exploding and Superman goes flying through like a Man of Steel and blows a bunch of stuff up and what? it's like I'm just kind of I just I don't know I for that reason I kind of appreciated the, the Christopher Reeves almost better because as a kid you're watching this you're going that looks like a guy is flying you know <laughs> it does you know
1: yeah oh, Daniel wants to chime in here yeah yeah um, like what I say is the best VFX is the VFX you can't notice, like in Forrest Gump, totally. or even in uh, Mad Max. Like all, like absolutely, the cars are all shopped in afterwards. Like, yeah, no, they're real. Yeah, right. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I totally agree. You for the most part, you should not know
1: that that the VFX
0: is happening. You're absolutely right. It shouldn't be the means
1: to the end. Interesting. Yeah, a little overdone. Wow. Yeah. Drop a knowledge. Yeah, Wilcox.net sure. Drop a knowledge. I'm the proper outro. And just say okay. that you are a phenomenal, underdog man. I'm rooting for you. Oh, thanks, man. I got I appreciate to back it. Back on again because we have a lot to talk <laughs> about with with your theology about your writing. i oh, yeah, I'm Interested in kind of okay. where you want to go with your directing. I'm interested yep. in uh, when you're the of the, the Hollywood and New York. Like what you're gonna do? How you're gonna change it? <laughs> uh, cheers man really good to have you on
0: oh I appreciate it man um, do I get my shout outs
1: absolutely please give me shout outs
0: Alright, uh, outs to uh, my agent, shout outs to uh, my agent Andrew Wilson of Andrew Wilson Agency. shout Shoutouts to, obviously, uh, my sweet loving wife after 15 years. She's awesome. I love her to death. Um, I'm thankful she loves me back. Um, shout outs to Brett um, Goldstein Casting and um, Wallopedias Casting for actually giving me my first feature film um, when I first got started. Shout outs to Denzel and... Uh, Mary Verneu and uh, Lindsay Graham of uh, Betty May Casting for seeing me as well enough to play opposite um, in that role um, in the little time that I did. Um, outs to my friends up in Judsonville and Jamie Slattery here for always giving me a place to stay when I'm in Boston for working. So, mucho appreciated all of that. So, thanks to you guys for um, seeing my Richard trying to be an actor is uh, worthy of an underdog story too.
1: Heck, yeah, man. This is this is cool. I'm excited. I'm excited to to launch this and see where you go next, and just to root for you. Thanks, yeah, and uh, follow you on on all the social medias.
0: Yeah, you can. Um, yeah, if you go to my website, um, you already said JamesWilcox.net. It's all there. But uh, if you're interested in Twitter, it's uh, Sir James Wilcox. So my Twitter handle. Uh, Instagram is Sir underscore James Wilcox. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't my Facebook is my own world that people can't come into. So <laughs> That's yeah. a, those those are the mains.
1: Uh, yeah. James, thanks so much. This is funnel yeah, underdogs. Peace out.
0: So Looks yeah, peace out. Look forward to doing it again whenever you guys have
1: time. Yeah, actually actually right on